Uh, welcome. Happy Resurrection Sunday. He, his, he has risen. All right, somebody told me that people would respond, he has risen indeed. I did not grow up in a church that did that. They said, you do it and they will do it. And I heard like three people say that. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 16. Uh, my name is Pastor Dave. If you are new, uh, maybe for the first time, uh, new back with us, uh, I've seen a few, few, uh, few fa- spaces, fa- spaces, few faces uh, that I haven't seen since, uh, honestly, before COVID. And so I, my heart is so full. And whoever brought their child to have sing behind me during worship and to to hear this little voice saying holy 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 you wrecked me during worship it was the sweetest thing I, I mean it's I literally could just go home right now and just feel absolutely blessed. Just listening to children worshiping, it's just amazing. So welcome and if we have not met after the service I would love to greet you, get to know you. Uh, maybe answer a question, but Ann and I just love that we get to serve you. Mark chapter 16, let's read the word of the Lord this morning. It says in verse 1, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. This is what took place 2,000 years ago. That Jesus said he would rise again and he rose. And today... That's what we celebrate. So would you just pray with me as we just ask God to meet with us and change us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day, for this moment, God, that we can just come and celebrate your presence. And I ask that you would just permeate this place. That, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and change us because we don't want to walk away from Easter Sunday the same way we entered in. So, Lord, I pray over every single heart that is present in this place for those watching live stream that could not be with us, Lord. I just speak blessing over them and blessing over all, God. Change us all. Lord, from the pulpit to the pew, God, change us. Make us more like you. So, Lord, God, just anoint today. And, Lord, I do speak anointing over my lions as they draft in in about a week, God. Just bless them, God. Give them wisdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. They need wisdom, dear Lord. They need wisdom. Every once in a while, I get asked the question, if I run into another uh, Gen Xer, I love Gen X, we're just a mess, aren't we? I love Gen X. <laughs> love me. <laughs> Boomers, we're not clapping for Gen Xers whatsoever. Millennials, no, 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 Zers. But I, I, I get those, those questions, and you might get those questions when you talk to somebody from your generation and a event or a day pops up, and somebody will say the classic line, where were you when you heard those, that news? Where were you when that happened. And I think immediately everybody has something pop up in their brain. Like, like one of the most common things when I was uh, younger was, uh, where were you when the, the Challenger exploded? That was like one of the most 
like monumental days growing up. Where were you? My parents will talk about when, when um, President Kennedy was assassinated. They'll talk about where exactly where they were. We have those days because we're surrounded by significant days. And so I went on this internet black hole journey where I just went down the rabbit hole and I just started looking up mass, like just significant days and I came up with about 110 days and so I had to pare that down so that Easter wasn't about this list. And so I looked in the past 100 years, like what are just some very significant days? Um, September 3rd, 1928, the day penicillin was accidentally discovered. Hallelujah for that. Except for my wife was allergic to penicillin. Um, December 7th, 1941, uh, Pearl Harbor was attacked. That was significant. June 6th, 1944 is D-Day. Uh, something we celebrated this week. April 15th, 1947, Jackie Robinson put on his Brooklyn Dodgers uniform and he broke the color barrier. Um, October 14th, 1947, Chuck Yeager breaks the sound barrier. Uh, May 14th, this is huge biblically. Um, May 14th, 1948, at midnight, began the new state of Israel. For some of you, this is something that impacted you more than anything else outside of Jesus. July the 5th, 1954, Elvis Presley was discovered as a musician. Not an Elvis fan, but I know a few in the house, and I just did that just for you. Um, December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks refuses to give up her seat on the bus. How about this one? December 29th, 1957, the last Detroit Lions championship. God help them. August 28th, the day that Martin Luther King, 1963, uh, gave his famous speech, I Have a Dream. D uh, December 3rd, 1967, the first heart transplant. Uh, July 20th, 1969, uh, man walks on the moon. I've got some of you conspiracy theorists, you're going to send me messages about that one. Um, April 1st, 1976, I just hold my iPad and I say, thank you, Lord, for letting Apple begin as a company. How about this religious holiday? May 25th, 1977, Star Wars is released in theaters. Some of you cheered more for that than the resurrection we sang about. Uh, November 9th, I remember this, 1989, the Berlin Wall comes down. August 6th, 1991, the world's first website is launched. Um, August 31st, 1997, Princess Di passes away. Um, many of my generation and young generations will never forget where we were September the 11th, 2001. And we all remember March the 11th, 2020, the COVID pandemic hits. Now we've listed off a mess of significant days and some that are silly, uh, some that are not so silly and we look and we remember how they impacted history, they impacted our nation, they impacted our world, but there is only one day, there is a day of days that did more than impact history, it changed the course of your history and it is my history, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate today, is we celebrate the day that Jesus defeated hell, death, and the grave. The, the, the resurrection is everything. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, that without the resurrection, our faith is futile. Without the resurrection, our faith, what is there about our faith? What is there that's alive? Because he lives, our faith can be alive. We need the resurrection. In fact, I wrote it this way, that the resurrection is the main cog of Christianity. Because if that doesn't spin, nothing else does. 
If that's not working, nothing else works. This, the reason why we get together doesn't work. There's no purpose for it without the resurrection. I'm telling you, this day changed everything. And so today I'm going to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to give you just a very simple outline, a very simple Easter outline. If you are a note taker, God bless you. I love note takers. They say you remember 87% more of what you write down, which is why I was terrible in school because I did not take notes whatsoever. But today I want to give you just a handful of thoughts today because I want to talk to you about this day that changed everything. In fact, write this down. There are days that mark us. There are days that mark us. You see, God is into days. He's into days. In fact, you can go to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, and you could read about God created in days. God created in how many days? I sense a division in the house. The only people that get Pop-Tarts this morning are the six-day people. God rested on the seventh day. Oh, man. We're going to do a series next week on discipleship. And then the Wednesdays, we're going to do teachings out of the book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. You should buy a book after the service and join us. Of course, we won't teach on creation. But God works in days. Psalm chapter 118, verse 24 says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Psalms 95, 7. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Job 14, 5. He has determined the days you will live on this earth. Psalms 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get the heart of wisdom. Um, or one of my favorite scriptures is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, where the apostle Paul says, today is the day of salvation. And that's what I'm hoping it will be for a number of you this morning, that today will be the day that marks you. Not because you showed up to church, not just because you grabbed some donut holes before church, not just because you got dressed up for Easter Sunday, but my prayer is this, is that you will recognize that today is your day of salvation. Today is your day to ask for Christ to come into your life. Or maybe for you, today is your day to no longer be bitter, to no longer be broken. Your day to no longer be angry. Your day to no longer demand your way because you want God's way in your life from now on. There are days in our life that mark us. And I look back and I look at days that marked me. I mean, you've got days that marked you. I'll pick on my adult life. I think of days that marked me. Um, Star Wars Day marked me. Uh, May the 4th, 1997. That is actually the first day, my first day employed as a pastor. I stepped out on the platform and I gave announcements that day. That was my assignment that day and that, sh- that, was, that marked me. A few weeks later, I got down on my bended knee and on, on May the 30th, I asked Ann Kara if she would be my wife. A year later, it was on, what was our anniversary? I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Totally kidding. May the 23rd, 1998, uh, it's there that I pledged my my life to this young lady, and uh, it's been the greatest almost uh, 24 years of marriage. And then a year and a half later, October the 7th, 1999, my favorite child was born. My daughter, Cammie, was born. Three years later, my other favorite child was born on September 20th, 2002. Um, Believe me, I don't play favorites unless one of them is not in the room, then I tell them they're my favorite. That's just what we do as parents. Um, Think of last year, September 26, 2021. I I got to 
marry my daughter off to an, an amazing young man. It's just because he's become my son, Josh. I just love, I love these significant days. But, but we also look back because days mark us not because events happen necessarily, but because things transpired. Because I can look back at my life and I can see moments where God uprooted our family and moved us to Midland. And I remember coming out as a youth pastor on April, excuse me, August the 18th, uh, 2002, just a month before Ethan was born, we, we transitioned. And God took us to this small city and absolutely revolutionized our lives. And God would then prepare us for six and a half years for the day that we would begin here on, on April the 5th, uh, 2009. I mean, there are days that God challenged us, days that God moved us, days mark us. I can look back on my life and I can look at my sophomore year when I stopped playing games with God. And I remember being in a youth service, and I felt like God began to kind of nudge my heart and speak to me. And I remember that day in youth group where I said to myself, I'm not going to leave here the same way that I walked in. I'm not going to leave here and keep playing church and keep playing games with God. I need to own my faith. I remember a year later, I was on my knees at, at the altar of our church asking God to fill me with this Holy Spirit. I stayed till 11 o'clock at night, not from Sunday morning. Don't, don't, don't think higher of me. It was a Sunday night service. And I just stayed on my face. God filled me with the Spirit and God called me to be a pastor. And the reason why I was there till 11 because I kept telling God, no, you <laughs> somebody else. Days mark us. Days change us. There are some days that God begins to help us begin to realize we don't have to be bitter any longer. We don't have to be angry any long, longer. That we don't have to be lost any longer. Days change us. But we all have different views of days. Because for some of you, by tomorrow at 10 a.m., you will already be done with the day. If you guys had that type of Monday... That by the time 10 o'clock a.m. rolls around, it was traffic on Westnage or, let's, let's do this, construction on Stadium. <laughs> Meets with you, didn't get your morning coffee. You got email you did not expect. Somebody tagged you on something you did not want to be tagged on on Facebook. And then somebody was waiting for you to meet with you at the office even before you had your sip of your coffee. And it's 10 o'clock and you're like, I am done with this day. We've all been there. Days mark us, but you and I have a decision to make every single day. And the decision is this, is this day that God has given me, it's a day that God has literally placed me in. He has put me in this day, this time, this season, and this era. And because this is his day, and because he has placed me here, I'm going to do the best with this day that he has offered to me. Because every single day that God gives us, is a day that can bring about transformation and change. And that's why we preach about this day, the day that changed history. And I'm wondering if this day, if today can change you. But sometimes it's not just the day that changes us. Sometimes it's the moment that, that defines you. Sometimes it's the day that marks you, but it's the moment many times that defines you because it seems like God transforms us moment by moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, that God changes us from one degree of glory to another. Some of your translations will say it this way, that he changes us from glory to glory. What that means is, is that God can change us in a day, but most of the time, God brings about change not one day at a time. Many times it's one moment at a time. 
And we see in scripture all kinds of people who had defining moments where they could have followed God and trusted in God or they could have gone the other way. Like think of, I think the best character in all of scripture outside of Jesus, his name is, anybody know the name? David, of course, great name. When the rest of Israel was cowering behind their lines, wondering who's going to deal with this mammoth of a man, it was there a shepherd boy stepped out, and the giant began to mock that little boy, began to mock this teenager, and David could have walked away and joined the rest of the army that was scared to death, but it was on that day he said, this is my defining moment, and you stand against me with your words, but I stand against you in the name of the Lord God whom you defy. That was his defining day. What about in the book of, of Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who stood before a king, and this king said, you've got to bow in front of this idol. And they said, listen, you can do what you want. He says, I'll throw you in a furnace. And they said, listen, you could throw us into a furnace. God can save us or he doesn't. That doesn't dictate who we serve. We will not bow. That was their defining moment. What about Moses at the Red Sea? What about Moses standing there and he looks at that which is insurmountable, that which could not be crossed, and he had a million people behind him and he's wondering, God, what do I do? And he stretches out his staff and God splits the Red Sea. That was his defining moment. What about Daniel? Underneath threat of his life where they said, if you pray, we're going to kill you. And in the midst of all of that, he opens up his windows and he decides to pray. And he gets thrown into a lion's den and the lion's mouths were shut up. That was his defining moment. We all have defining moments. Moments where we can decide, are we going to follow God or are we going to follow something else? And at the same time, we all have moments for which things happen to us that want to define us. In the New Testament, one thing that kind of makes me feel bad when I read the Gospels is some of the people that we don't get their name, we get their condition. Have you ever noticed that with, with some individuals in the Bible? We don't get their name. This is Bob. Bob had a sickness and Jesus healed Bob. Be like Bob. We don't get that. We get individuals and they're defined by their condition. For example, we get someone known as the woman at the well. We don't know what her name is. Maybe it was Joan. Who knows? I don't know why I picked Joan, but we went with a go with that. But we just know her as the woman at the well. And you know what? The woman at the well, what we know of her is this. Is that she has been married five times, and the man she's with presently is not her husband. And she has got this reputation in the community and we know that she lives and what, what defines her because she doesn't go to the well at the same time that the whole community goes to the well. She goes at the time for which nobody wants to be outside at the highest point of the sun, the highest point of heat. She doesn't want to go and see anybody but when she goes, she encounters somebody that would revolutionize her life. She, all she knew in her life is, this is what everybody says about me, so this is how I'm going to keep living. But on that day, Jesus speaks into her life. And what does she do? She actually goes to the community that she has been avoiding. Why? Because she had her defining moment. I'm no longer going to be defined by my reputation. I'm going to be defined by the work of grace that that man just spoke in my life. What about the crippled man? Carried by his friends. His friends, they wanted Jesus to heal him, but they couldn't get to Jesus. Jesus is inside of a house, and he's preaching, and there's crowds. And so they go through the ceiling of this home, and they lowered this crippled man. We don't know his name. We, we, we don't even know like, his background. All we know is his condition. 
His life and even the story is just defined. He's the crippled man. But yet in this moment, Jesus speaks to the man because he came in defined by his condition, but he left that day defined by the power of God. What about the woman with the issue of blood? She spent 12 years bleeding, 12 years depleted physically, 12 years depleted spiritually because, because she is bleeding. She can't go and worship with everybody else. She would make people unclean. And because she's bleeding, she can't even have physical contact with her husband or her kids. So she is empty. She is depleted. This woman has been crippled by life. That is what has defined her. But she pushes through the crowd and she grabs a hold of the hem of the garment. And Jesus Christ, in that moment, power flows through. And she walked in defined by 12 years of brokenness. And in one moment, one moment redefined her to walk away in the presence and the power of God. You see, we've got a choice. We can live defined by moments that have happened to us or by moments that people have done to us or we can live defined by the power of grace. I wonder how many people are in the house today that you have allowed the devil to convince you that you are nothing more than your past. You're nothing more than the sum of your family history. You're nothing more than what has happened to you or what people have done to you. And I'm here to say that one moment with Jesus can redefine everything about your life. Everything about your life. Everything. we got to start opening up to our ears and learn to listen to what God has spoken about you because you are not defined by what has happened to you but by what Jesus has done for you. I'm telling you, this day changes everything. It changes it all. I can't explain what happened to you or why it happened to you, whether we're talking abuse, rejection, um, sin, your past. But I'm telling you what, you can be defined by this moment right now. You can be defined by a work of grace. Days mark us. Moments can define us. But I love this. Decisions can unleash us. Days will mark you. I can give you the list of the days that marked me. Good and bad. Terrible and wonderful. But moments, they can begin to define us. I was watching football yesterday. Praise God for spring football. And listening to, listening to these players talk about getting another chance. And they talk about different moments that were defining them. I just wanted to start writing down their stories but when it boils down to it, it is decisions that will unleash us. Every day we can make decisions that will lock us up or will raise us up. Every single day, husbands, wives, parents, teenagers, young adults, not so young adults, whoever you're at, whatever place of life, your decisions will either lock you up or they will release you from prison. And you've gotta to learn to make a decision because the, if we have a decision to follow the resurrection, we can understand we've got something that can actually unleash us. What type of decisions should we be making? I wrote down three decisions we can make every single day. First, you can make a decision to trust God. Make the decision to trust God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And Jesus says, I don't want you to worry about tomorrow. I don't want you to worry about the things that, you're, that you think you ought to be worried with. Don't worry He's calling people, he's calling you and I to trust him. 
I mean, it doesn't release us from walking in obedience. It doesn't release us from responsibilities. But some of us are so wrapped up with anxiety that we tend to want to trust ourselves instead of trusting the Lord. I can't promise you what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with laws, with judge rulings, and, our, and what happens within our land. But, but I can, as a human being, make a decision to not worry and to simply trust God. I get calls all the time. Whenever there's a Supreme Court ruling, whenever there's something that takes place within our nation, within our state, I get contacts. Pastor Dave, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm like, well, number one, you know, trust God. After that, go to the voting booth. After that, run for school boards, get involved. That's all great. That's all wonderful. But none of that ever replaces the fact that you and I are called to decide every single day to trust God. Secondly, don't just trust God. Make the decision to forgive others. Colossians 3.13, that we forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. If you want freedom in the house today, stop holding on to the hate that you have been harboring against that individual. And you may say, well, I don't want to let them off. Listen, in the name of Jesus, let yourself off. You're not hurting the other person. You're destroying yourself. I've heard it said this way, that, that holding on to unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison, hoping that somebody else is going to die. Make the decision to forgive, because forgiveness, it's always right, it's always time, and it is always your turn. Always. Be a conduit of faith and make a decision. Make a decision to live God's way. Easter is, the reminded, uh, is a reminder of the decisions that Jesus had to make. Next year, I've already decided, next year, seven weeks prior to Easter, we're going to do a series called The Last Week. We're going to talk about the last week of Jesus' life. And you should go back and read that today as a part of Easter. And look at the decisions Jesus had to make every single day of Passion Week. And you're going to see a Jesus that decided to live the Father's way. Even to the point where we get into Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, where Jesus said, if there's another way, please let, let's do that. But you know what? What really matters is not what I want. What matters is what you want. And Jesus walked in the Father's way. You see, when it comes to the resurrection, the resurrection has got to be more than a historical event in our life. It is our everyday operating system. The resurrection, it's more than an event. We cannot treat it as a Sunday where we get dressed up and we eat donuts and listen to Pastor Dave Gab for 20, 25 minutes. It's got to be more than that. The resurrection is what gives us life every single day and empowers us to live every single day, making the decisions to follow after Jesus. Well, how did Jesus do this? Because Jesus was just as human as you and I were. But the way he did it is he knew who he was to the Father. And because he knew who he was, it was easier to make the decisions. Well, Pastor, you don't know my pain. You're right, I don't know your pain. You don't know my battle, Pastor. I don't know your battle. You don't understand my struggle. You're right. You know what? You don't know my pain. <laughs> you know my struggle. We all have struggles and we all have pain. And I'm not trying to compare or to compete who's got it worst. But when it comes to the resurrection, you and I have decisions to make that will either keep us captive and be victims of what the enemy has done. Or it can unleash us to the freedom that Jesus truly wants to give us. That today you can choose bitterness or you can choose freedom. You can choose hate or you can choose love. You can choose what the culture dictates or you can choose God's plan. You can drink from the cup of shame or you can drink from the cup of salvation and freedom. Every single day is a decision for you and I to simply trust Jesus. 
Because today is the day of salvation. And days mark us. Today is a moment for you to make decisions because if you'll make a decision to follow Jesus, it will be a moment that will define you. And today, if you're willing to make a decision, I believe it will be this decision that will unlock and unleash God's destiny for your life. The keyboardist will please join me up here. Watching my knee is a, just a famous theologian and speaker. He says this, our old history ends with the cross and our new history begins with the resurrection. Our old history ends with the cross and our new history begins with the resurrection. And I want to say that should be true for everybody, but I recognize in a group this big that that's not necessarily true in the moment for you. It's true historically. It's true theologically, but yet personally here and today, for some of us in the house, it's not true because we look where, okay, my old history should be ending with the cross and should be beginning with the resurrection, but maybe that isn't true for you because you've never actually accepted that free gift of salvation. And I say free gift because it's really a tongue-in-cheek term in Christianity. Because we say it's free because it's offered to you but it wasn't free in the least bit. Because it cost the life. It cost the blood of the Son of God. It cost him. And all we get to do now is literally accept that gift and allow Jesus with the trust of our lives. I read a story that simply said this. A psychologist walked around the room while teaching stress management to an audience. And she raised a glass of water and everyone expected that they would be asked, is the water half empty or half full? Instead, with a smile on her face, she inquired, how heavy is the glass of water? And so answers called out from 8 ounces to 20 ounces and she replied, the absolute weight doesn't matter. What matters is on how long I hold on to it. For if I hold on to it to a, for a minute, it's not a problem. If I hold on to it for an hour, I'll have a, a knot in my arm. If I hold on to it for a day, my arm will feel numb and paralyzed. And in each case, the weight of the glass doesn't change. But the longer I hold on to it, the heavier it becomes. She continued, the stresses and worries of life are like the glass of water. Think about them for a while, nothing happens. Think about them um, a bit longer and it'll begin to hurt. Think about them all day and every day. You will feel paralyzed and capable of doing anything. Put the glass down. Some of us in our life, we are so busy holding on to our life that it is literally paralyzing us from ever moving forward with life. Some of us have held on to our own addictions, our own problems, our own hopelessness, our own way, and we are holding on to it, hoping, hoping something will change and something will get better. And sometimes we're holding on to something so heavy that we're wondering, has anybody noticed, will anybody help me with this? And I wondered if we've ever thought about the concept that Jesus stands with scarred hands and with arms open, saying, you know what? Would you stop holding on to your life? Why don't you give it to me? Give it to me. Let me take care of it. Let me hold it. 
the marriage issues you've got going on, the kid issues you've got going on, would you let me hold that burden for you? Let me take care of it. Because what I'm going to give you, what Jesus says is the life I give you, it's not going to be a burden, it is life. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. You see, we talk about days that mark us. I believe today can be the day that marks your life. We talk about moments that define you. I believe that this moment today at 11.01 a.m., sorry, 11.02 now a.m., can be your moment. But it's all connected to the one thing that can absolutely unleash you. And it's the decision to follow Jesus. Listen, I could give a care whether you come back to this church. Believe me, I would love for you to come back. I am very biased. Come back to K-First. I'm extremely biased. But that's not my purpose for this morning. If that's the purpose, we showed up in vain. The purpose here is to bring you, bring me, all of us to a point of decision. What will we do with the resurrection of Jesus? Will we treat it as a, just a simple historical event? Or will we treat it as the place of decision that will forever unleash us into the destiny he has called us to be in? Today is, I believe, your day of salvation. I believe today is the moment that will mark you for your life. I believe today is the decision that will release you into a life of hope, blessing, and abundance. Would you bow your heads with me?